Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, January 15, 2011, on a Saturday, and for all Jews and, and those who do keep the Shabbat, happy Shabbat. If you would like me to create a Bible study addressing a desired topic of yours, then simply email me at kennard at mercifulserventsofgod.com. Again, the email address is kennard, K as in kite, E as in elephant, two N's as in Nancy, A-R-D as in dog, at mercifulserventsofgod.com. Once I receive your email, I'll do the best I can to um, create and develop a uh, Bible study program based on uh, your particular topic. All right, our country and the rest of the world is having a serious problem, as prophesied, of determining what is right and what is wrong. Uh, People have their various ideas and opinions about what God thinks, but God has, through the prophets and through holy men and women, have written words in the Bible for us to adhere to. This nation, as I proved to you last week, was founded on the Word of God, which is the Bible. I know people have their different opinions about what they think the Word of God is. The Word of God can be in print, or it can actually also be uh, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, who was revealed in uh, the first chapter of John as being the literal Word of God. The literal Word of God inspired individuals to write down what he wanted us to understand about himself, God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it's something that we have to understand. Uh, Unfortunately, traditional Christianity today teaches that the Old Testament should be used as toilet paper. And that's not what the Old Testament is all about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's not really a proper word for the Old Testament. It should be called a Tanakh. Uh, the Jews understand that rightly so as the scriptures. So I really don't like the term Old Testament. There's really nothing old about it or out of style about uh, the Tanakh. And as I'm going to prove to you today, neither did uh, Jesus or Yeshua's followers. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Jesus is Hebrew name. They didn't think that the Tanakh was out of style either. Anyway, and um, 
Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read this in the uh, easy-to-read version of the Bible unless they get too carried away with uh, taking the meaning, the original meaning out of the Scripture. Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, he's easy to read version of the Bible. My friends, this is the second letter I have written to you. Now, this is the Apostle Peter. I wrote both letters to you to help your honest minds remember something. Verse 2, I want you to remember the words that the Holy Prophet spoke in the past. And remember the command that our Lord and Savior gave us. He gave us that command through your apostles. So, this is important to understand. What the Apostle Peter, which was one of the leaders of the assembly back then, the church really means assembly, uh, when you look at uh, the congregation of Israel, that's talking about the assembly or church of Israel. Uh, the church of Israel really always existed. It's just that when Jesus came on the earth, he formed his own segment of that congregation to lead every other congregation to the, to, to the uh, true and way uh what I'm trying to say here, the true way to live. And he also came, as I explained to you last week in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17, he came not to destroy the law of Moses, but to help us to understand the law of Moses. That's why he came. And unfortunately, traditional Christianity has taught, since uh, Emperor Constantine declared Christianity the official religion of the Romans, uh, that has been taught that uh, Yeshua had done away with the law of Moses, which is the law of God. So in verse 3 of Second Peter, it says, It is important for you to understand that what will happen in the last days. And the last days, I know you've heard this from other people, but we are truly in the last days, folks. Um, and one of the signs that God uses to help us to understand is our financial situation. And it's really dire right now. I don't know if any of you have had your head in the sand or whatever, but you need to get it out, and you need to start uh, paying attention to the news. Now, when I say news, not CNN and CNBC and all these other media outlets that are controlled by the CFR and the other elite, but you need to focus on Infowars.com, I-N-F-O-R-W-A-R-S.com, Gerald Salente, those type of folks that's really telling mostly the truth about what's really going on in our economy. It's like I, I just found out that the housing segment or market of our economy is in a depressionary state right now. You wouldn't hear that from CNN or ABC or CNBC or any of these other media outlets that are controlled by the elite. But you'll hear it from folks like me, the little folks that no one knows about. That's, that's the way God operates. And also on the Internet, which was prophesied by Daniel the Prophet, to be in existence today. Uh, hold your place here and turn to uh, Daniel chapter 12. This is how the truth, this is how me and my wife, came, uh, my wife rather, came out of our spiritual drunkenness uh, of understanding the church is not a building and not a 501c3 organization. The church it's called the assembly is the scattered people of God worldwide who are trying to do the best they can to keep the commandments of God. Those are true people of God. Uh, Daniel chapter 12. 
beginning in verse 4. Read this in the easy-to-read version. It says, But you, Daniel, keep this message a secret. You must close the book and keep this secret until the time of the end. And he's talking about the time that we are living in today. Many people will go here and there looking for true knowledge, and the true knowledge will increase. And that's an excellent translation of that. Other translations is kind of vague, but um, yeah, many people are seeking the truth because the truth is not out there as far as the television is concerned. Another translation in the King James Version is a little more. says right here, But thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book to the time and end. Many shall run to and fro, which is talking about trying to seek the truth, and knowledge shall be increased. And the knowledge that we have has been increased because of the Internet. There's 1.9 billion people right now that have access to the Internet. Uh, the current population of the world is, is, is approaching 7 billion people right now. So, um, and then what I'm finding and what I'm starting to understand is that it was really not possible unless God would have sent an agent <laughs> to me to sit down and tell me everything. For me to acquire the knowledge that I have now about him, because the Internet the internet wasn't available when I was 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, um, but it was available, uh, started to be available, uh, starting the latter half of the 20th century, and of course in, in the 21st century, the Internet explosion began. And we are at a stage now where I don't have to go to the library uh, to get any type of information. Uh, I can just type it on the Internet, and it comes right up into my face. So people today, if they have a desire to want to know the truth, can find the truth by accessing the Internet. And again, uh, me and my wife got out of our spiritual drunkenness by exactly doing that. God is using the Internet to wake people up because you're certainly not going to hear the truth, the whole truth anyway, from politicians. You're not going to hear it from our government. Uh, you're not going to hear it from uh, the television. You have to really do some digging. You have to have a desire to, to take the time to, to get the Bible out and read it and then use the Bible as a foundational tool for you to sort out all the the uh, magazines and other information that you get over the Internet or anywhere else. That's what you have to do. So anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Uh, many people don't understand what the foundation of the assembly of the church is, and God revealed this through the Apostle Paul, what it is. Ephesians 2, verse 19. And let me switch over to another version here. It says, So now you non-Jewish people are not visitors or strangers, but you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. Verse 20. You believers are like a building that God owns. That building was built on the foundation that the apostles and the prophets prepared. And Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in that building. So I'm reading this scripture to help you to understand. 
traditional Christianity teaches the Old Testament is like toilet paper, but it's not. And the prophets wrote the majority of the Tanakh folks, uh, in particular one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, Moses, wrote the first five books. So the assembly of God is built on Moses' writings and all the other prophets' writings. I don't know if you realize that or not, but I don't think many people realize, especially in Christianity today, because you think the Old Testament is toilet paper. You, you don't think that, you don't realize that Moses is a prophet. He's a prophet. Or he was a prophet because he did. Okay, he was a prophet. And the assembly is built on his writings, which, of course, contain the law that, unfortunately, many Christians are taught to hate called the law of Moses because God used Moses to give the law. There's no separation between the law of Moses and the law of God. Moses wouldn't have had a law without God being involved in it. So we got to wake up from our drunkenness. Okay, uh, Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. Trying to make this as plain as I can. Malachi chapter 2. I mean, we're in a, a really literal mess right now, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was just looking at, just preparing for this Bible study, um, abortion. I'm going to talk about that. Also, I'm going to talk about homosexuality a lot more in detail than I ever have because someone needs to uh, present the truth about it without being afraid or whatever. You know, and, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just show you what the scriptures state. But this picture showed a, a little baby, 21 weeks old, and they had to to uh, operate on this little baby uh, because if they didn't, he would have he died. And it showed his little finger, as little as his fetus was, or a baby, little finger touching the big finger of the surgeon. And it was such a beautiful, it made me cry, basically. It's like, you know, I don't see how people can, can say that there's no life um, in a, in a, in a uh, mother's womb, it's impossible for this baby to have enough brains <laughs> to touch the little finger of the surgeon. That proves that what what these abortionists are trying to poison people's minds with uh, the untruth that there's no life unless that baby is born out of the womb, and that's not true at all. Of course, the Bible proves it too, but that personal example that I saw on the website uh, was very powerful. But uh, anyway, Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. This is a prophecy. This is, again, I just read to you that we better take heed to what the prophets state. Well, this is one, Malachi. And he states here in verse 17, You have worried the Lord with your words. Uh, you know, God can get worn out. He gets sick and tired of us complaining. And, 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 uh, jumping around the responsibility to obey him and trying to figure out ways to do things on our own, do things the way we want them to be done. He's sick and tired of that stuff. And he says, yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? Now, let me read this in the easy-to-read version. It may be a little easier version. A way to say it. Let's see. says right here in the easy-to-read version, You have taught wrong things, and it makes the Lord very sad. 
people were doing evil things, but you said that this pleased the Lord and that he accepted those things. And you taught that God does not punish people for the evil they do. And this is a prophecy because that's what they're doing today. But the King James Version is pretty good, too. It says, uh, yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? And that's what's going on. We don't know right. We don't know what is right and what is wrong. What we think is right, we think is wrong. And what we think is wrong, we think is right. And, and God prophesied through the, the prophet Malachi that this is the case here when he states that uh, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. You know, and this reminds me of one of the most abominable uh, laws that have ever been passed uh, that is okay now for those that are gay in the military to announce it to the free world and say, hey, I'm gay, and not be ashamed of it. Uh, I'm sure God is not pleased with that, and anyone that understands the truth about homosexuality is not pleased with that. So uh, that's just an example. Of course, abortions, uh, if you can't see that abortion is wrong, it's really something wrong with your brain matter, basically. Um, I'm just going to challenge any, each and every one of you who are, is pro-choice. Would you want your parents to kill you and your womb? Think about that. You know, there's, a, there's a scripture that states uh, we must treat others the way we want to be treated. Would you want to be... Uh, have your arms cut off and your you know and your head smashed you know and squashed because this woman and in more cases than not uh, is, is a selfish woman that does not care about the baby because oh man I had some sex and I wanted to have some fun but no wait I didn't want to have a baby oh no get the baby out of my life you know let me kill the baby you know I think it's a 93 percent of all cases abortions occur because of that situation they just don't want to have the baby not because of a rape, even though that doesn't justify it either, but uh, some sin is, is has more damage than others, you know, and, and uh, it's really not justifiable to have an abortion unless the mother's life is at stake. That's it. So uh, let's continue to read this. Because people are challenging God as I'm speaking. They've been doing it for a long time now. And as, as in the King James Version, it says, where is the God of judgment? You know, because people today think, well, I've heard, like I heard this uh, San Francisco mayor. I don't know if he's still the mayor of San Francisco, but he's he's definitely pro-gay. I don't know if he's gay or not, but he's pro-gay. And he, he was stating, well, you know, the end of the world hasn't come yet. Well, I hear that a lot. Just because the end of the way we're living has not come doesn't mean it's not going to come. Okay? <laughs> so, so and, and this is a prophecy saying, where's the God of judgment? What, what is he going to do what he's going to do? Well, God states here in the easy-to-read version, uh, it says, the Lord all-powerful says, and I like that, the Lord all-powerful, <laughs> I am sending my messenger to prepare the way for me. Now, this happened in the first century. It's going to happen again. Then suddenly the Lord you are looking for will come to his temple. And he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem, the physical temple. Yes, the messenger you are waiting for. The reason why most Christians don't understand the, the 
uh, accuracy of that prophecy is because they're so focused on their local congregation or their 501c3 organization where the minister's draining their money, draining each of their um, his students' money or her students' money because you have women ministers now. And and the focus should be at the, the, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, not your congregation, you know, what's going on in your community. And forget the whole world and just focus on us and we just be in our little uh, cult, a little small group and and to hell with everyone else. And that's not that's not the way God envisions a uh, a true assembly. Uh, an assembly of God should reach out to people, uh, should not just totally close themselves off from society. I mean, Yeshua didn't do that. He reached out to people. He He spoke to sinners. And we should be willing to do that as well. Of course, if they don't show any signs of repenting, then you need to say goodbye, you know. But uh, if they show signs of repenting, then you continue to teach and you continue to, to be around them. Okay, so it says, yes, the messenger you are waiting for. Now, this messenger is talking about Yeshua or Jesus, the one who will tell about my agreement or the covenant or the, the Ten Commandments or the whole entire law, not just the Ten Commandments, is really coming. Verse 2, no one can prepare for that time or stand against him when he comes. He will be like a burning fire. Now, this has got to be talking about his second coming because in the first coming he was not a burning fire. Was he a burning fire in the first century? Of course not, all right? He will be like the strong soap people use to make things clean. And see... That's the thing that people don't seem to understand about God when he tells us that we need to be cleaned up, okay? He's trying to make it simple for us, and we all understand soap, right? We, we use soap to clean dirt. We some dirty folks, okay? And we need our minds cleaned and also our bodies, okay? Uh, as far as all the fat we got on it, you know, according to <laughs> uh, what he says about us, uh, we wax fat as a people. Anyway, Verse 3, he will make the Levites clean. And the Levites are talking about the literal Levites uh, that have Levitical blood in them. They will be used again to do what they're supposed to do, is teach the law of God. Uh, he will make them pure like silver is made pure. And with fire, he will make them pure like gold and silver. Then they will bring gifts to the Lord, and they will do things the right way. Here we go again, right way. Verse 4, then the Lord will accept the gifts from Judah and Jerusalem. It will be as it was in the past, as the time long ago. So again, the Old Testament is not toilet paper. Uh, things will be the way they were. It was fine the way it was. It's just that the people had a problem with obeying God. Verse 5, then I will bring you to justice. I will be an expert witness and testify about the evil things people do. I will speak out against those who do evil magic or commit adultery. I will speak out against those who make false promises and cheat their workers and don't pay them the money they promise. And in the, in the uh, King James Version says, oppress the hireling of his wages. I will testify against those who don't help strangers or widows or orphans, and I will testify against those who don't respect me. This is what the Lord All-Powerful said. And right here in, in verse 6, it says, I'm the Lord and I don't change. And, of course, people think he does change, but he doesn't. All right, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting verse 15 to 17. I want to read this to you. 
easy-to-read version of the Bible. And this is what parents should be doing, but many American parents and parents around the world aren't doing this. How do I know? Well, <laughs> do we have peace? And I explain to you what peace is. Peace is when you don't have to worry about uh, people stealing uh, anything in your car, in your home, everything. all your needs are taken care of. You don't have to worry about what uh, that tragic event that happened last week with the congresswoman, uh, Gabby. Uh, she's doing okay now. It looks like she's healing up. That's great. But I feel sorry for the other families of the folks that were killed or murdered or murdered. And that's not peace. I mean, I mean, any one of us can get shot going to a grocery store. I mean, that's not peace. What's going to bring peace, ladies and gentlemen, is obeying the laws of God, the teachings of God. Verse 15, you have shown the Holy Scriptures since you were a child. These scriptures are able to make you wise, and that wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by God. Now remember, uh, during this particular period of time when Paul wrote this to Timothy, the only scriptures that were available was the Old Testament. Okay? So uh, to think that uh, the Old Testament is toilet paper is, is really thinking that comes from the devil. All scripture is given by God, and all scripture is useful for teaching and for showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching the right way to live. Verse 17, using the scriptures, those who serve God will be prepared and will have everything they need to do every good work. So the reason why I'm reading this to you is because I'm going to be referring to the Old Testament quite a bit here. You know, I don't think the Old Testament is out of style, and I don't think it's toilet paper, okay? And I'm going to refer to it, and and uh, the reason why a lot of so-called Christians have a difficult time understanding God is because you think the Old Testament is toilet paper. You've got to stop thinking that. It's not toilet paper. And and Timothy didn't think it was toilet paper, and neither did Paul or any of the other uh, believers in the first century. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting verse 5 to 8. I taught you the laws and rules that the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses uh, giving his uh, final uh, speech to uh, the people he led before he... Uh, God had uh, killed him. I did this so you could obey them in the land you are ready to enter and take for your own. Verse 6, obey these laws carefully. This is an easy-to-read version. I'll let you know if I go to another one. This will show the people of the other nations that you are wise and sensible. They will hear about these laws and say, Truly, the people of this great nation are wise and sensible. The law was given to the, the 12 tribes of Israel to be an example unto the entire world. Okay? And then in verse 7, the Lord our God is near when we ask him to help us. No other nation has a God like that. And verse 8, and no other nation is great enough to have laws and rules as good as the teachings I give you today. All right? So that tells you the superiority of God's law compared to other nations and other gods. It is the law the teachings that each and every human being must follow. As revealed in Ecclesiastes, let's go there. The last chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting in verse 13. It says, Now what should we learn from everything that is written in this book? Uh, and then Solomon is talking about the book that he had written. The most important thing a person can do is respect God and obey his commandments because he knows about everything people do, even the secret things. He knows about all the good and all the bad, and he will judge the people for everything they do. And this is referring not to the Jews, but to everybody, folks. Uh, that's what we need to do. In the King James Version, it states uh, in verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man, and it says whole duty of man, mankind. That word man in the original Hebrew means mankind. For God shall bring every work into judgment. And every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. So that is our duty. Unfortunately, many of us aren't doing our duty. We're not obeying God or we're not checking to see whether or not what we're doing is right or wrong. That's the reason why we don't have true peace in the world today. That's the reason why I can't leave my house today with the door open. Because chances are somebody's going to come in and, and probably take something. I'm trying to, to get you to understand what peace really is because we've been brainwashed about what peace is. People think peace is, oh, nobody fights. Yeah, but somebody may not fight you, but they can still hate you. <laughs> they can still have evil thoughts in their minds of you. That's not peace. How is that peace? That's not peace at all. Okay, um... Deuteronomy chapter 30. Starting at verse 15. Now this is something that he had told the ancient Israelites, which we are descended of, as proved by 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and, and you can go to this website for further proof, detailed proof, from... Uh, secular sources, outside the Bible sources, and biblical sources, and Jewish writings. Uh, this website that was developed by Yer Davidi, he's a Jew, he an Orthodox Jew, and he lives in the old city of Jerusalem. Website address is www.b-as-in-boy-r-i-t-a-m, as in mother, dot org. Anyway, in the easy-to-read version, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, today I have given you a choice between life and death, success, and disaster. That's what the teachings of God, the law of God, is all about. I command you today to love the Lord your God. I command you to follow him and to obey his commands, laws, and rules. Then, and only then, you will live and your nation will grow larger. This is to, to any, not, not just the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, but to any, any, any nation. Then you will live and your nation will grow larger, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take for your own. But if you turn away from your God and refuse to listen, if you are led away to worship and serve other gods, you will be destroyed. I am warning you today, if you turn away from God, you will not live long in that land across the Jordan River that you are ready to enter and take for your own. Now, this is talking about what happened then, but this can definitely be applicable for today. Again, the church is is 
is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which Moses was a major prophet. Okay? Today, I'm giving you a choice of two ways, and I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. You choose, you can choose life, you can choose life, or death. Life is keeping the commandments. Death is not keeping the commandments. The first choice will bring you a blessing. The other choice will bring a curse. So choose life, then you and your children will live. You must love the Lord your God and obey him. Never leave him because he is your life, and he will give you a long life in the land that he, the Lord, promised to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which he he does that constantly out through, through the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reason why is because obviously he feels that each and every one of those individuals kept his law, and they are an example for us to follow. So we should study the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so we can know how to raise our children and how to conduct ourselves properly. Zechariah chapter 2. Starting in verse 11. This is a prophecy of another prophet, Zechariah. Zechariah 2, verse 11 says, At that time, people from many nations will come to me. They will become my people. Uh oh. Become God's people. So that means they'll also be keeping the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and the holy days like the Jews. And I will live in your city. That's the city of Jerusalem. Then you will know it was the Lord All-Powerful who sent me to tell you these things. And then verse 12. The Lord will again choose Jerusalem to be his special city. Judah will be, and that's the Jews, the tribe of Judah is the Jews, will be his share of the Holy Land. Verse 13. Everyone be quiet. The Lord is coming out of his holy house. Which means there's a lot of commotion going on spiritually. Zechariah chapter 8, starting in verse 22. Actually, um, verse 20. Zechariah 8, verse 20. The Lord All-Powerful says, In the future, people from many cities will come to Jerusalem. In verse 21, people from different cities will great will greet each other. People from different cities will greet each other and say, we are going to worship the Lord All-Powerful. And the other person will say, I will like to go with you. Many people in many powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to find the Lord All-Powerful and to worship him. So everyone's going to be drawn to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the true religious capital of the world, not your local congregation down the street or wherever you go. Verse 23, the Lord All-Powerful says, at that time many foreigners speaking different languages will come to a Jewish man, take hold of the hem of his robe, and ask, we heard that God is with you. Can we come with you to worship him? And Yeshua is a Jew, folks. I hope you realize that he's a Jew, and and, uh, the people that he recruited the lucky 12, I like to say, because they're each going to rule over a tribe, you know. Uh, there are also Jews with the, ex- yeah, all of them are Jews, along with him. 
the first century church was primarily Jewish. And only until Paul, that's when God started to open the floodgates uh, to have uh, other people other than Jews uh, be in his assembly or, should I say, family. That's what the assembly is, is really alluding to, uh, that God wants a family. That's why he wants you to address him, Abba, Father. He wants to be the father of a family. And that's what the assembly of God should picture, a family relationship. Okay. Um, Isaiah chapter 56. Quoting these scriptures because because most Christians think the Old Testament is toilet paper. Um, I, I have to uh, tell you what God says and tell you that he wants all of mankind to obey his law, not just the Jews. Isaiah chapter... Uh, 56. And the easy to read version of the Bible. It says, The Lord said these things Be fair to all people. Do what is right, because soon my salvation will come to you. My goodness will soon be shown to the whole world. This is another prophet, the prophet Isaiah, which the church is built upon, right? I will bless those who refuse to do wrong and who obey the law about the Sabbath. Now, is he telling you that it's just the Jews he's going to bless? No. He says anyone, anyone. Verse 3, some foreigners will choose to follow the Lord. They should not say the Lord will not really accept me like the rest of his people or like Jews teach today, unfortunately, that uh, you're righteous Gentiles. But, no, wait a minute, it's a sin for you to keep the Shabbat and, unless you convert, you know. And And the Bible doesn't say that we have to become a Jew um, to be able to obey his law. But anyway, verse 3, uh, or to keep the Sabbath or the Holy Days. Verse 3, some foreigners would choose to follow the Lord. They should not say the Lord will not really accept me like the rest of his people. A eunuch should not say I'm only a dry piece of wood. I cannot have any children. Uh, verse 4, they should not say that because the Lord says some eunuchs obey the laws about the Shabbat. They choose to do what I want, and they follow my agreement. Verse 5. So I will put a memorial stone in my temple for them. Their name will be remembered in my city. Gentiles' names. Yes, I will give those eunuchs something better than sons and daughters. I will give them a name that will last forever. They will not be cut off from my people. Well, he said the eunuchs will have a memorial stone. He say Gentiles and eunuchs. Verse 6, some foreigners have chosen to follow the Lord. They do this so that they can serve him and love his name and be his servants. They keep the Shabbat as a special day of worship, and they will continue to follow closely my agreement. Now, this is what he will do for the foreigners or Gentiles. So I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them happy in my house of prayer. The offerings and sacrifices, what? They're going to be giving. Yes, they will. The sacrifices haven't been done away with. Uh, the reason why there's no sacrifices and offerings today is because the temple's not built. But once once it's built, which it will be soon, there will be sacrifices and offerings again. The offerings and sacrifices they give me will please me because my temple will be called a house for a house of prayer for all nations, and that's what it's going to be, folks. It's not just a Jews show. Isaiah chapter 66, starting in verse 22. The Lord says, I will make a new world, and I'm waiting for that, 
new heavens and a new earth that will last forever. In the same way, your names and your children will always be with me. Verse 23. Everyone will come to worship me on every worship day. They will come every Sabbath and every first day of the month. This is what I, the Lord, has said. So everyone, all of mankind, will worship on every worship day. What worship days? Well, the worship days that are listed in Leviticus chapter 23, which hardly anyone follows today, other than the Jews and certain select uh, sects that know about it, including myself. Uh, but the entire world will, uh, as he states here, everyone will come to worship me on every worship day. They will come every Shabbat and every first day of the month. This is what I, the Lord, have said. Now, this is what's going to happen to those who continue to think the way they think today. The Old Testament is toilet paper. Okay, well, this is what God tells you. Whoever goes out of the city will see the dead bodies of those who sinned against me. Okay? The worms eating those bodies will never die, and the fires burning them will never go out. It will be horrible to anyone who sees it. So, if you continue, if you hear what I'm saying now, and you understand what I'm talking about, and you see the scriptures, and you still continue to think that the Old Testament is toilet paper, then that's what's going to happen to you. Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2. God's not playing around. Verse 1. Actually, we'll start in verse 2. In the last days, these are the days we're living in, the mountain of the Lord's temple, that's talking about Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, will be the highest of all mountains. It will be raised higher than the hills, prophesying that there will be sacrifices and offerings and there will be a temple built soon. Because that has to happen, because based on what Christ said, there's going to be another abomination of desolation. They're going to stop the sacrifices that Daniel uh, revealed in Daniel chapter 12. So that temple will be built soon. It will be raised higher than the hills. There will be a steady stream of people from all nations going there. Many people already go to Jerusalem, but they'll have more of a reason to go once this temple is built. Verse 3, people from many places will go there and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the Lord, or the God of Jacob. Then God will teach us of his way of living, and we will follow him. His teaching, the Lord's message, will begin in Jerusalem on Mount Zion and will go out to all the world. That's the reason why there's going to be peace, because the whole world will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Verse 4, then God will act as a judge to end arguments between nations. He will decide what is right for people from many lands. They will stop using their weapons for war. They will hammer their swords into plows and use the spears to make tools for harvesting. All fighting between nations will end they will never again train for war. Let God speed that day. And the reason why that's going to happen is because the whole law, everyone's going to know how to live. Everyone's going to know what's right and what's wrong. The reason why there's not any peace, hardly anywhere in the world today, is because the majority of mankind don't understand the Bible. They don't understand, and because of that, they don't understand what's right and what's wrong. Psalm 119, verse 172. 
what is righteousness? If we figure out what righteousness is, then we know what the opposite of it is. And the easy-to-read version, it says, let my voice sing about your word because all your commands are good. Well, that's another word for righteousness, but in the King James Version, it states, My tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy commandments. All thy commandments are righteousness. Okay? So that's what, if you're ever wondering what righteousness is. Now, let's go over these commandments that people seem to scratch their head and don't seem to understand what they are. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. Starting in verse 1. Then God said, I am the Lord your God. And it's an easy to read version. I led you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. These are the commands I give you. You must not worship any other gods except me. And that can also refer to, to uh, putting anything above him as well, idolatry. Verse 4. You must not make any idols. Don't make any statues or pictures of anything up in the sky or anything on the earth or anything down in the water. And he means exactly what he says there. Verse 5. Don't worship or serve idols of any kind because I, the Lord, am your God. I hate my people worshiping other gods, people who sin against me. And you become his people when you you agree to obey his law. That's that's when anyone becomes his people, whether it's Jews or whatever, okay, Africans, whatever. If you agree to obey him, then you become his people. When you don't obey him consistently, you're no longer his people. Or you're not you're no, you're no longer a part of his family. All right. This is similar to if you are in a regular family and if the son doesn't obey the father and the father is righteous and the son is wicked, then what happens eventually? The son has to leave the family, right? Well, same same scenario there. But anyway, um, verse 5. Don't worship or serve idols of any kind because I, the Lord your God, am your God. I hate my people worshiping other gods. People uh, who sin against me become my enemies, and I will punish them. And I will punish their children, their grandchildren, even their great-grandchildren. Verse 6, But I will be very kind to people who love me and obey my commands. I will be kind to their families for thousands of generations. Thousands of generations. Verse 7, You must not use the name of the Lord your God to make empty promises. If you do, the Lord will not let you go unpunished. Verse 8, you must remember to keep the Shabbat or Sabbath a special day. And the reason why he said remember because he knew the people would forget. And we, we have forgotten today. That is a major commandment. And even Christ said, even if, if you think it's the least of the commandments, he stated that you should even obey the least of the commandments in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. But we know that the Sabbath is not the least of the commandments. Verse 9, you may work six days a week because he wrote that commandment with his own finger on on, on stone. So we know that's not the, the least commandment. Um, you Part of the Sabbath is working because if you don't work, how can you rest? So verse 9, you may work six days a week to do your job. Verse 10, but the seventh day is a day of rest in honor of the Lord your God. So on that day, no one should work, not you, your sons, your daughters, or your men and women slaves, even your animals. And the foreigners living in your cities must not work. Verse 11. And we violate that all throughout this country and the world. Verse 11. This is because the Lord worked, and this is the reason why he wants you to work, because God is not a hypocrite. He did it himself. 
He says, this is because the Lord worked six days and made the sky, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. That's what God does for a living. He's a creator. And on the seventh day, he rested. In this way, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the day of rest. He made that a very special day. Hold your place and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. In the easy-to-read version, it says, You are God's dear children, so try to be like him. Actually, that's a watered-down version scripture there. In the King James Version, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I like that better. But anyway, getting back, I just wanted to, to emphasize that. And then I think another version, it says imitators. Verse 1 of the, uh, which version is this? English Standard Version. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's even a better translation of that. So we have to, you know, God, he rested. So he's saying, if I rested, you're going to rest. If I work six days a week, you're going to work six days a week. What makes you think you're any better than me? That's what he's saying. All right, back to Exodus. Of course, there's blessings involved in keeping the commandments. But I'm trying to reason with you so... This makes sense to you. Okay. Now, verse 12, which a lot of kids uh, disrespect this one and don't obey this commandment. I was guilty of it, too, until I realized what I was doing. Verse 12, you must honor and respect your father and your mother, even if they act like fools, folks. I mean, your parents, I understand. Trust me, parents... It could be a pain in the butt sometime, okay? But you have to still respect and honor them. If they, unless it's a life and death situation, you got to shut up, all right? Shut up. I know it's hard. Shut up. Take it to God and believe me, God will punish your parents if they do something wrong to you. Believe me, I know. Okay, so uh, leave it to God. Unless your your parents come to you personally and say, son, daughter, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? then that's an opportunity. But you still should do it in moderation and out of respect and, and fear of their position, which they always will have over you until they die, because without them you wouldn't be born. So you owe them just for that alone, respect and honor. So you must honor and respect your father and mother. Do this so that you will have a full life. <laughs> so if you want to live long, that's another reason to uh, obey your parents, okay? Because he's not promising that you're going to live long when you disrespect your parents, even when it's justified, okay? Do this so that you will have a full life in the land that the Lord your God gives you. I don't see anywhere where there's an exception to honoring your parents. He doesn't say unless they act like fools. No, you're going to have to continue to, to, to uh, unless it's a life and death situation, if they have a gun at you or whatever, then, you know, all rules are throwing a garbage can at that point, you're going to have to save your life, you know. But outside of that, you're going to have to, to do the best you can to honor and respect them. Verse 13, you must not murder anyone, and this is uh, makes me think about the abortion thing again. Uh, whew, I mean, we've aborted almost 50 million babies since 1973. And you think God is not going to judge his nation for that? <laughs> Wait and see. Verse 14, you must not commit adultery. Uh, we are really guilty of this one. 
You must not steal anything. Oh, boy, are we guilty of that one. We're guilty of all these. Verse 16, you must not tell lies about other people. We tell lies about other people almost every day. 91% as I just I took this marketing course, uh, consumer behavior, 91% of people lie every single day. That's sad. Verse 16, I mean, yeah, verse 16, you must not tell, okay, I already read that. Verse 17, you must not want to take your neighbor's house. You must not want his wife. You must not want his men and women servants or his cattle or his donkeys. You must not want to take anything that belongs to another person. In other words, what's not yours, you shouldn't desire. And then also coveting the wrong way is desiring the wrong things. Desiring pornography. Desiring drugs. Just like, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Ted, uh, what's his last name? Williams, right? He got right back into his rehabilitation situation again. So we need to continue to pray for folks like that. Now, in verse 18, during all this time, the people in the valley heard the thundering and saw the lightning on the mountain. They saw smoke rising from the mountain and heard the sound of the trumpet. They were afraid and shook with fear. They stood away from the mountain and watched. Then the people said to Moses, if you want to speak to us, then we will listen, but please don't let God speak to us. And I'm reading this to you because this is kind of prophetic because that's the attitude we have today. Please don't let God speak to us. (laughs) If this happens, we will die. And then Moses tried to explain to him. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you. He wants you to respect him so that you will not sin. That's the reason why he came in that dramatic fashion. God wants to motivate us to not sin. So, of course, he's going to come and, and display his great power before him and say, Look, you better take me. Say, right, look, I'm, the, I'm super bad here. I'm, I'm the all-powerful, all-powerful God. You better take me serious. And there was nothing wrong or arrogant about him displaying his power because without us none of us would be alive right so so anyway in verse 21 the people stood far away from the mountain while moses went to the dark cloud where god was and this and see what many people don't realize they think it's just 10 commandments and that's that no there's other commandments (laughs) and god gave moses the rest of the commandments and moses wrote those commandments down but god wrote the first 10 on tablets of stone all right uh Let's turn to Leviticus, because I want to prove to you that a lot of the commandments today are still relevant for today. A lot of people don't understand it, because, again, a lot of Christians think, because they've been brainwashed by other so-called ministers, that the Old Testament is toilet paper. Leviticus, when I mean toilet paper, what I mean is that it's just not as important as the New Testament. Okay, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 time I got left here. 34 minutes before time flies. When you're having fun, right? Anyway, Leviticus chapter 19. I have to continue this uh, next week because this is a pretty good study and I want to quote all the scriptures here. Leviticus chapter 19 beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, tell all the Israelites I am the Lord your God. I am holy and you must be holy. Each of you must honor your mother and father and keep my special days of rest. I am the Lord your God. Now, this is interesting. He, in the King James Version, he um, he, he matches obedience to parents with keeping the Sabbath. I, I find that very interesting. Verse 3, you shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. This is in the King James Version. I am the Lord your God. So, he values keeping the Sabbath just as important as obeying your parents. 
I, th- I find that very interesting. All right, back to the easy-to-read version of the Bible. Do not worship idols. Do not make statues of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. Verse 5, when you offer a sacrifice of fellow... Well, we're not going to go to that because that's applicable only if there is a temple. And there's no temple right now, so the kind of sacrifices he wants us to give now, the sacrifices, uh, of course, yeah, the the sacrificial system did represent Christ uh, sacrificing his life, but also represent the fact that God wants us to give and share our resources with with, uh, other people as well. So, um, verse 9, starting in verse 9. When you cut your crops at harvest time, don't cut all the way to the corners of your fields, and if grain falls on the ground, you must not gather up that grain. This is applicable for today. Uh, verse 10, don't pick up all the grapes in your vineyards or pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. You must leave those things for your poor people and for people traveling throughout your country. Boy, if everyone did this worldwide, it would eliminate poverty, wouldn't it? Just doing that. Tell me that's not applicable for today? Yes, it is. Verse 11, you must not steal. You must not cheat people. You must not lie to each other. And you tell me that all oh, that's not applicable? Yes, it is. Verse 12, you must not use my name to make false promises. Oh, my goodness. That's definitely applicable for today. If you do that, you will show that you don't respect the name of your God. I am the Lord. You must not cheat or rob your neighbor. You must not hold a hired worker's salary overnight into morning. We violate this like I don't know what. I mean, we pay... What's the average pay that we, uh, most employees get paid every two weeks? They get paid biweekly. God is telling us that we should be paying someone every day. Remember the prayer by Christ, give me my daily bread. We should be paid every single day. And we are in direct violation of this law of God. Verse 14, you must not curse anyone who was deaf. That's all applicable. You must not do anything to make a blind person fall. That's applicable. But you must respect your God. I am that is very cruel to make a blind person fall. I mean, <laughs> that is a very cruel thing to do. Verse 15, you must be fair in judgment. You must not show special favor to the poor, and you must not show special favor to important people. How in the world can you say that's nailed to the cross? You must be fair when you judge your neighbors. that nailed to the cross? No. Verse 16, you must not go around spreading false stories about against other people. Oh, boy, this this uh, opens the floodgates of all the gossip magazines and and the media and everything. There's a lot of the false stories spread against many people, and we violate this. Is this should this law be nailed to the cross? Don't do anything that will put your neighbor's life in danger. Should that be nailed to the cross? No. Verse 17. Don't secretly hate any of your neighbors. But tell them openly what they have done wrong, so that you will not be just as guilty of sin as they are. Verse 18. Forget about the wrong things people do to you. Don't try to get even. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Verse 19. That's where that came from. Many people thought that was just Jesus saying that. That came from the Old Testament. And I guarantee you, he didn't think the Old Testament was toilet paper. Verse 19, you must obey my laws. You must not let your animals mate with animals of a different kind. That's a sin once you do that. You must not sow your field with two kinds of seed. You must not wear, and people, eisegesis, that's all, that's talking about human beings. That's not talking about human beings. It's talking about the seed of a field, okay? 
You must not wear clothing made from two kinds of material mixed together, and he means exactly what he's saying there. You should wear 100% cotton if you can afford it, or 100% uh, pure material. It shouldn't be mixed. Verse 20, it may happen that a man has sexual relations with a woman who is a slave of another man. But this slave, well, I don't like this translation. She's not a slave. Let me go back down here. In King James Version, whosoever lie carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid, betrothed to a husband, that's correct. And betrothed to a husband means she's getting ready to get married to him. And not at all redeemed, nor freedom given her, she shall be scourged. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. So that's another law that many people think is cruel, but that's God. I mean, God knows what's best. Um, 20 and then 26. You must not eat any meat with blood still in it. Many people violate this scripture. They eat blood and they eat, um, what, what is it, uh, meat that's not even cooked. Uh, many of us in this country, I know, a significant amount anyway, uh, eat rare uh, meat, and that's not good. You must not try to use different kinds of magic to tell the future. We have our soothsayers here in this country, don't we? Should that be nettled across that law? Uh, you should be saying here that a lot of these laws in the Old Testament are valid for the day, folks. That's what I'm trying to show you here. Verse 28, you must not cut your body as a way to remember the dead. They do that today, but this is what they really do, particularly the athletes of today. You must not make any tattoo marks on yourself. Okay? Now, should that be nailed to the cross? This is a law in the Old Testament, which many of you think, probably listen to me, We've been brainwashed to think that the Old Testament is toilet paper, and he's telling you, you must not make any tattoo marks on yourself. And many of you probably listening to me probably got tattoos already, and you probably didn't know that this was a law, okay? And he says, I am the Lord. He doesn't want you marking up his property. We are his property. He doesn't want you putting all kinds of abominations on it. And unfortunately, a lot of these athletes aren't a good example. They put tattoos all over the place on their bodies. Ridiculous. Anyway, verse 19. Do not dishonor your daughters by making them become prostitutes. Oh, my goodness, grief. I mean, we are definitely in violation of this. How do I say that? Well, how is the, pornog the pornography industry is not run by gay men yet? Uh, it's, it's basically women that draw in the demand. Okay, so... And unfortunately, those daughters are being raised to become a prostitute. And should that be nailed across, that law? No, of course not. He's saying, do not dishonor your daughters by making them prostitutes. And unfortunately, a lot of our American daughters are prostitutes in this country. If you do that, your whole country will turn away from God. There we go. And be filled with all kinds of sinful things. We can't continue to glorify Hollywood, folks. Hollywood is an abomination to God. Las Vegas is an abomination to God. Mardi Gras is an abomination to God. And what does he say here? If it has any type of elements of prostitution in it, which it does, okay, your whole country will turn away from God. And what's going on? We are turning away from God. We have gay people in Congress. We have some gay people in the Senate. We have a president. I respect President Obama, okay? But i got to tell you people when the president's not thinking straight, and he's not. 
he thinks that it's okay to have abortions and that it's okay to um, say that uh, the military can accept gays without them being ashamed about it. And then he supports same-sex unions, but as of yet, he states that uh, same uh, there should be no, no same-sex marriage yet. But I know recently I heard that he said that he's thinking about that. Now he, he thinks about it every night or whatever he said. You know, I don't know the exact phrase he said, but he's still thinking about it. Okay, so don't be surprised if what has happened with the don't ask, don't tell, uh, they have uh, eliminated that law now that this country will now start to set up legislation to influence the Supreme Court to state that, hey, uh, marriage is not just between a man and a woman anymore, but it's also between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Another thing I want you to understand, how can children that are so-called children of same-sex couples, how can they properly obey the Fifth Commandment? Honor your father and your mother. How can you? T- how, how can they do that if it's two fathers and two mothers? Think about that. Okay. And that's what sin does. It gets you not to think straight. All right. Verse thirty. You must not work on my special days of rest. You must honor my holy place. I am the Lord. Do not go to mediums or wizards for advice. They will only make you unclean. And people do that today in this country and around the world. They said they make you unclean. Verse 32, show honor to old people. Stand up when they come in. I don't see this that often at all. I don't see uh, the young children today rising up and paying. Uh, they make fun of old people today. It says, show honor to old people. Stand up when they come into the room. And show respect to your leaders. I am the Lord. And see, I, you know, I respect President Obama. I'm not going to call him no names or whatever. I'm just telling you that he's wrong, and it's nothing disrespectful to say that, that he's wrong when, on his views of abortion and homosexuality. And there's a lot of other people that agree with me about that. So anyway, stand up when they come into the room and show respect to your leaders. I am the Lord. Verse 32, do not do bad things to foreigners living in your country. Verse 34, you must treat them the same as you treat your own citizens. We were guilty of this for a while among uh, black Americans. Uh, we were treated like crap. And and, and during World War II, uh, the Japanese that were living here in this country, they were treated like crap too, you know, because they bombed Pearl Harbor. And so everyone naturally reacted and said, assumed all Japanese are the same, you know, and that's not true. And God doesn't want us to do that. He said, don't do bad things to foreigners living in your country. You must treat them the same as you treat your own citizens. Love them as you love yourselves. Remember, you were foreigners. In Egypt, I am the Lord your God. You must be fair when you judge people, and you must be fair when you measure and weigh things. Your basket should be the right size. Your jar should hold the right amount of liquids. Your weights and balances should weigh things correctly. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, he even gets to the point of measuring things. I mean, this is remarkable, but... You know, there's no other law like this, no other teaching or way of life like this. Verse 37, you must remember all my laws and rules, and and you must obey them. I am the Lord. So in the remaining minutes I have here, I'm going to have to just probably do a part two and part three on this. I I didn't realize that uh, it would take this much time to do this. 
Ezekiel chapter 18. Let's, let's get God's picture of what a righteous man is and what a wicked man is. Okay? Or righteous woman or, or wicked woman. Same thing. Ezekiel chapter 18. Beginning in verse 5. For the easy to read version of the Bible. Alright. A person who was good will live. He is fair and does what is right. Ezekiel 18, verse 6. He doesn't go to the mountains to share food offered to idols. He doesn't pray to those filthy idols in Israel. He doesn't commit adultery with his neighbor's wife or with a woman during her period. Yes, there is a sin. that is a sin to have sex with a woman and her menstruation cycle is unclean. Verse 7. He doesn't take advantage of others. If someone borrows money from him, he might take something of value before he gives the money. But when that person pays him back, he returns what he took. He gives food to the hungry and clothes to people who need them. Verse 8. If someone wants to borrow money from him, he lends the money and doesn't charge interest on the loan. He refuses to be crooked. He is always fair with everyone. People can trust him. Verse 9. He obeys my laws. I just went over a synopsis of God's laws, and studies my rules so that he can learn to be fair and dependable. So let me just stop there. A true righteous man or woman, they study the law of God, and they obey it. Okay, and they do it on a consistent basis so that he or she can learn to be fair and dependable. He is good, so he will live. This is what the Lord God says. So this is a nice summary of, I'm going to go into further detail about this next week, and other weeks, but that's a summary of what a righteous man is. Verse 10, now, now let's look at uh, what a wicked man is, or woman. But someone like that might have a son who does not do any of those good things. The son steals things and kills people, or murders people. He does things his father never did. He goes to the mountains and eats foods offered to false gods. He commits the sin of adultery with his neighbor's wife. He, mist he mistreats the poor, helpless people, he takes advantage of them. When a debt is paid, he does not give back what he took from them. He prays to filthy idols and does other terrible things. He lends money to people who need it, but he forces them to pay interest on the loan. I don't know if many people realize that, but it's a sin for people to be charging interest. Uh, no one should be charging interest anyone in this country, as far as loans are concerned. I mean, again, our failure not to, to look at what God said, is causing all this suffering. Anyway, verse 13, he sends money to people who need it, but he forces them to pay interest on the loan. The evil son will not be allowed to live. He will be put to death because he did such terrible things, and he will be responsible for his own death. Verse 14, now, that evil son might also have a son, but this son sees the bad things his father did, and he refuses to live as his father did. He treats people fairly. Verse 15, he does not go to the mountains and eat foods offered to false gods. He does not pray to filthy idols in Israel. He does not commit the sin of adultery with his 
neighbor's wife, verse 16. He does not take advantage of people. If someone borrows money from him, the good son takes something of value and then gives the other person the money. When that person pays him back, the good son gives back what he took. The good son gives food to hungry people, and he gives clothes to those who need them. Verse 17, he helps the poor. If people want to borrow money, the good son lends them money, and he does not charge interest on the loan. He obeys my laws and follows them. He will not be put to death for his father's sins. The good son will live, or righteous son will live. Verse 18. The father hurts people and steals things. He never does anything good for my people. He will die because of his own sins. And then verse 19, you might ask, why will the son not be punished for his father's sins? The reason is that the son was fair and did good things. He was, he very carefully obeyed my law, so he will live. Verse 20, the, uh, Ezekiel 18, the one who sins is the one who will be put to death. A son will not be punished for his father's sins and a father will not be punished for his son's sins, and that's, that's fair. A good man's goodness belongs to him alone, and a bad man's evil belongs to him alone. Remember that scripture I quote you about, uh, that he will curse the generations? Well, that's if the people don't repent. If the people don't repent in those generations, then they will be cursed with the same curse that began with that generation. So... Uh, and he's and he's he's revealing here that there's a situation where uh, a father could be wicked, but the son can be righteous, and the reverse can be the same. The, the father can be righteous and the son can be wicked, and they make the choice. All right. So, in verse 20, he says, "The one who sins is the one who will be put to death. A son will not be punished for his father's sins, and a father will not be punished for his son's sins. A good man's goodness belongs to him alone, and a bad man's evil belongs to him alone." So that's, that's fair. That's judging fairly. Verse 21. Now, if evil people change their lives, they will live and not die, as I was just explaining. They might stop doing all the bad things they did and begin to carefully obey all my laws. And notice, carefully, like you care, obey the law. Not because, oh, I have to. You do it, you do it diligently. They might become fair and good. Verse 22. God will not remember all the bad things they did. He won't even remember and we all have a problem with that, remembering people's sins. We need to forget them like he forgets ours. But anyway, God will not remember all the bad things they did. He will remember only the goodness. That's what we should do with people. We ought to remember the good from people and forget about the garbage. I've been talking about toilet paper a lot. Well, apply this to the toilet paper. Uh, the sins should be toilet paper. You should just throw it in a garbage can or flush it down the toilet and only think about the goodness of people. That's the way God is. Verse 23, the Lord says, I don't want evil people to die. He doesn't want evil people to die, folks. I want them to change their lives so that they can live. Verse 24, now maybe good people might stop being good. They might change their lives and begin to do all the terrible things that evil people have done in the past. The evil people change so they can live. So if those good people change and become bad, God will not remember all the good things they did. So the reverse happens. He won't remember the good. But he's going to definitely remember the evil you're doing. So he will remember that they turned against him and began to sin. So they will die because of their sin. Verse 25 of Ezekiel chapter 18. You people might say, the Lord isn't fair. And that's what they say today. The Lord isn't fair. But listen, family of Israel or the entire world, I am fair. You are the ones who are not fair. Verse 26. If good people change and become evil, they must die for the bad things they do. 
Verse 27. And if evil people change and become good and fair, they will save their lives. They will live, uh, which shows that we've got to do something. We can't just say, well, Christ died on the cross and did it all for us. He kept the Sabbath and kept the commandments, so we can just lay back and sin, sin, sin. And then when we can sin, we can just picture his blood splashing on us. No, that's not the way it works. That's not grace. Okay? So, and I'm going to explain that in this series of Bible studies. Verse 18, they saw, uh, verse 28, rather, of Ezekiel 18, they saw how wicked they were and came back to me. They stopped doing the evil things they did in the past, so they will live, they will not die. Verse 29, the people of Israel said, that's not fair. And that's what prophetically people say today. Our modern people of Israel say that today, that God is not fair. The Lord isn't fair. And, and he's stating, I am fair. You are the ones who are not fair. Verse 30. Why? Because family of Israel, I will judge each of you only for what you do. You know, he's not going to judge us for what we say. He's going to judge us for what we do. So we got to do something. This is what the Lord God said. So come back to me. How do you come back to him? By obeying him. Stop committing those crimes and do away with those things that cause you to sin. In verse 31, throw away all the terrible idols with which you committed your crimes. Change your heart and spirits. Change the way you think. People of Israel, why should you do things that will cost you your life? And again, Israel is not just referring to the Jews, folks. It's referring to all the tribes of Israel, which the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations and South Africa and New Zealand and Australia and the countries of Northwestern Europe are a part of geographically and Canada. For more proof of that, again, go to your Davidi's website, www.b, as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org. And then verse 31, throw away all the terrible idols with which you committed your crimes. Change your heart and spirit, people of Israel. Why should you do things that will cost you your, your life? Verse 32, I don't want to kill you, or you know, I don't want to kill you. Please come back and live. This is what the Lord said. So this is a very powerful scripture for you to to study with your family or if you don't have a family personally to understand what life's all about, basically, in terms of uh, you preserving your eternal life here. Uh, He he wants you to obey him. And, you know, many people don't understand what sin is. Uh, Let's turn to 1 John 3, verse 4, and God explains to us what sin is. And I like this translation in the easy-to-read version. All right, 1 John 3, verse 4, in the easy-to-read version. Anyone who sins breaks God's law. Yes, sinning is the same as living against God's law. Okay? So that's what sin is. Sin is a transgression of God's law. That's what the King James Version says. So if you, if you guys ever wondered what sin was. Now, what is love? Because many people have written many books about what they think love is. But what does God think? Let's turn to Romans chapter 13. Verse 10. In the easy-to-read version of the Bible.
Okay. Love doesn't hurt others. Okay, so right now we understand that true love doesn't hurt people. So loving is the same as obeying all the law. Now, can you state that abortions don't hurt people? Can you state that being gay doesn't hurt people? Now, statistically, and I know homosexuals are arguing me to death about this, but the facts remain that uh, AIDS, the majority of people that have AIDS are gay, gay men. All right, so uh, being a homosexual, don't get me wrong, I don't hate homosexuals. I don't go around judging and saying you're going to go to hellfire. That's not the purpose of what I'm doing. I'm giving you the facts. You have to to make up your own mind if, if anyone here is listening to me that's gay. You're going to have to make up your own mind whether or not you want to obey God and what he says or do your own thing. I'm just stating the facts, and you can prove those facts about what being homosexual can do to men. All right, It causes harm. And, of course, women that are gay, they cause harm to each other as well, physical and mental. All right, um, Romans 13, verse 10, love doesn't hurt others. So loving is the same as obeying all the law. All right? So love is, is obeying all the commandments of God. And 1 John 5, verse 3. First John 5, verse 3. Loving God means obeying his commands. So if you think you love God, but you think the Old Testament is toilet paper, you don't really love him. I have to tell you, for your own good, you don't love God if you think the Old Testament, you think the law of Moses is a separate law from God, and that we should not. I already read you, many of those commandments are still in effect today. And and, and I know, no, probably many of you didn't think that God had a law against tattoos. Okay? First uh, John 5, verse 3, Loving God means obeying His commands, and God's commands are not too hard for us, as they teach today. And, and most Christian churches, they say, oh, that law was so hard from us, so that's why Christ had to come and keep it for us. And, you know, uh, the law was nailed to the cross now, so all we got to do is just uh, love God, love, 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 and, you know, everything will take care of itself. And that's not the gospel, folks. That's that's the devil's gospel, yeah. Revelation 12, verse 7, speaking of the devil, Who is the devil really angry with, folks? And he's not angry with those folks that think the law is done away with. He's pleased with that. Uh, He's angry with folks like me. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. This is a prophecy. This is going to happen in the future, but it's happening now as I'm speaking. Uh, The devil doesn't like what I'm saying today uh, because I'm revealing the truth. He hates the truth. Verse 17, then the dragon was very angry with the woman, the woman in this context, is referring to the congregation of Israel or the assembly of God. It went away to make war against all her other children. Her children, and this is the, uh, the part of the scripture I want you to pay attention to. Her children are those who obey God's commands and have the truth that Jesus taught. Okay? Those are the people that the devil is angry with. Okay? Those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's in the King James Version. Okay, so. And how many more minutes do I have here? Five minutes. 
All right, who is the originator of evil and wrong? Okay, we talked about what's right. I think you pretty much understand that, and I went over uh, what's wrong. But let's go into detail about how not obeying God's law, which is another word for being evil and being wrong, how did that originate? Well, let's turn to John 8, verse 44, from Christ's own words. We're going to find out. And if you read this whole chapter, it's in the context of them going back and forth with uh, Yeshua, and uh, Yeshua got angry, and he started telling them the truth about themselves, and they didn't like that. And he stated right here in John 8, verse 44, it says, Your father is the devil. So the devil is a father, too, and he has children. You belong to him. Now, you only belong to the devil if you don't if you think the Old Testament is toilet paper and and uh, if you still think it's toilet paper after what I'm telling you today, uh, he's saying that your father is the devil. You belong to him. I mean, obviously, you don't love the truth. You you want to make up your own mind what you think is right and wrong. Uh, it says your father is the devil. You belong to him. You want to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning. From the beginning of what? The beginning of the creation of the, the world. That's what he's saying. He was always against the truth, and he is against the truth today. What is the truth? I'm going to get to that soon. Uh, there is no truth in him. He is like the lies he tells. Yes, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. He's the father of murders. He's the father of lies. He's the father of sin. He's the father of death. That's what he is. That's what the devil is. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's let's find out how. What what is his origin? I mean, what? How did he morph into this this being that all he wants to do is destroy? As a, as one Peter five verse eight, he walks around as a as a roaring lion, looking for who he can devour. I mean that that's his whole attitude. This his whole his resume is destruction. I mean yeah, that's all he wants to do is destroy. Uh, Ezekiel chapter twenty eight. Verse 12 it says, Son of man, sing this sad song about the king of Tyre. Say to him, this is what the Lord God says. You are the perfect man, so full of wisdom and perfectly handsome. Now, it morphs over to the Garden of Eden here. It says in verse 13, You were in Eden, the Garden of God. You had every precious stone, rubies, topaz, and diamonds, and pearls, and ox, and jasper, and sapphire." turquoise and emeralds or emeralds and each of these stones was set in gold you were given this beauty on the day you were created so the devil was created god made you strong verse 14 you are one of the chosen cherub a cherub is a supernatural being so this is definitely not talking about a man here all right who spread your wings over my throne okay so this is talking about something that's happened in heaven here I put you on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the Jews that sparked like fire. It's definitely not talking about a man. Man couldn't exist walking around fire. Verse 15, you were good and honest when I created you, but then you became evil. And I like the King James Version translation of this. It states, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that you were created 
until iniquity was found in thee, or sin was found in him. And sin is the transgression of God's law. So sin was discovered in him. Many people think that the devil was created by God. No, he didn't create an evil person. What happened is that that person that was righteous, or being that was righteous, became evil. It was found in him. God didn't put it in him, it was found in him. And it was found in him because he was the originator of it, of that rebellion. Your business bought you many riches. So what this being was doing, he was uh, trading and he was in business. You know, he was making money. Okay? But they also put cruelty inside you and you sinned. So I treated you like something unclean and threw you off the mountain of God. You were one of the unclean cherubs who spread your wings over my throne. But I forced you to leave the jewels that spark, sparkled like fire. Your beauty made you proud. Your glory ruined your wisdom. So I threw you down to the ground, and now other kings stare at you. You did many wrong things. You were a very crooked merchant. In this way, you made the holy places unclean. So I bought fire from inside you. It burned you, burned to the ashes, to the ground. Now everyone can see your shame. So anyway, this is describing what's going to happen to him in the future. And this is, uh, see what the devil does. He influences people, and he influenced the king attire here. Okay? But God wants us to focus on who's controlling him or influencing him, and that's that carob that he was talking about as well. And that carob is going to be destroyed one day. And his destruction is described in... Uh, Revelation uh, chapter uh, 20. Anyway, I'm going to pick up on this next week. May God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 